Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today I am joined by Donna Sorensen, who is a poet, copywriter and my actual real-life sister-in-law. Hello, Donna. Hello, Ian. Anyone who's been following us, um, following me, uh, you as well, actually, on uh, Twitter, may know that I've just spent the last week in Copenhagen, which is where you live. It is indeed. And also why we're going to talk about writing and place, because I know where I grew up, where I live um, now, heavily influenced um, my... um, novel so uh, although I don't have a specific setting in Aes Frangelica it was hugely influenced by where I came come from because I think that has you know that's kind of who you are as well isn't it but you're someone who's lived in many places all over the world and I'm interested to find out how that's um, uh, affected your your writing but first of all tell us a little bit about your writing journey where you (laughs) where you come from and uh, how you started writing and where you are now yeah righty ho okay so um, I am, like many listeners, I'm sure, um, someone who always wanted to write and, you know, started dabbling in it a uh, long time ago and um, only really started to concentrate on my writing properly when I moved to Ireland um, in 2009 um, and was just massively inspired by Ireland and obviously the incredible literary tradition, um, especially in Dublin. And... Um, yeah, it was, it was it was kind of like a writing apprenticeship. I worked at the Irish Writers' Centre for a bit and I just met some amazing poets um, and novelists and other writers. Um, started to do like workshops with them and join writing groups and just really, really focused on my writing intensively for a couple of years, which was fantastic. But it was still something that I was just doing in my personal time and I started to submit to journals and, um, yeah, that went, that went well and I got poems published. And then... We left Ireland and I managed to get a job doing what I'd always hoped, which was being paid to write, um, writing as a copywriter. So for the last year, I've worked um, as the content manager at Visit Denmark in Copenhagen. And I write about Denmark um, in English for people all over the world, um, which is very interesting. And so, yes, I'm coming to the end of uh, working on my first collection. And um, that's all very exciting because I'm also in the process of signing a book deal. So there, that's me. Well, Congratulations. That's... Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting, though. I remember when um, uh, we, you, you have been on the podcast before, but it was, it was a long time ago, I think in season one, before there was even such a thing as seasons or series. We're both British. We can probably say series instead of season. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I, think we, I think we recorded the podcast, which was something on the lines of how does it feel to be published, which published was... Sorry? It was published for the first time, yeah. Published exactly. for the first time, yes. And, yeah. and it was when you'd had your first couple of poems published, I think. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So how, um, does, it, how does it feel to have a full collection going through the publication <laughs> process? Just so weird, honestly. It's insane. Like, it, it's obviously that massive goal that you work towards. Um, and then when it all starts to come together, obviously it's terrifying because there's a big difference between, you know, sending individual things out to different people and people responding to poems or individual pieces of writing and actually putting it together that, that works as an entire collection so yeah it's it's all very surreal as are my poems <laughs> indeed sometimes <laughs> um, yes okay so you've you've lived in uh, you live in Copenhagen now you are well let's start off you're from um, Somerset is that right or do you yes. say, would you, or would you say Newcastle 
No, no, no. Born up there. But I mean, I've lived up there for about four years on and off. But definitely these days, I count myself as a West Country girl. Indeed. Um, just to go a bit too much are. I could do. <laughs> but actually, that you know, as you were saying, that I've realised over time that that's actually influenced my poetry a lot. Um, Somerset, just, you know, the West Country. But I think you need to, I needed to be away from it until I realised that or I could explore that. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so well, well, let's start there then. Somerset is where you grew up. So how, how, how do you think now you've had a bit of a distance for some years, how do you think that the place you grew up influenced your writing? Well, I think I realised that I was writing, when I just started writing poems randomly, I was very, very interested in, in places. It's just, you know, when you've moved around a lot, you see a lot of different things and that really influences your writing. But writing about faraway places or imaginary places or things just down the road from you, um, you know, so many things you can explore. But I realised that I was always kind of coming back to this idea of, my home or this, you know, what home was, because in this day and age, it's, it's very complicated concept home, you know, I mean, most people are, uh, well, I don't know actually whether most people wouldn't stay in one place their whole life, but I imagine that many, many people um, end up somewhere that they didn't start. And it's, I just find it really fascinating how that affects your identity, but also your experiences. Like the things I've seen, I, you know, I, the poem that I'm working on at the moment actually is, is about, you know, starling murmurations. And I, uh, the, the whole poem is about the fact that, like, I grew up with some of the biggest and most incredible natural phenomena over my own head, you know, the, the every autumn, the starling murmurations, which are just the most amazing thing to see ever. But I didn't really take any notice of it. And then I come to Denmark, and I'm writing about this incredible phenomenon called the black sun, which is, it, that's what it is. It's a starling murmuration. I was like, hang on a minute, I've got those where I come from, and they're really cool back there. And I just, um, yeah, so realised that there are these incredible things, but you, I do think sometimes you just need to be quite far away from them to realise that. I think that's true. And, I mean, I come from, I'm always, I, to be perfectly honest, I'm always quite derogatory about where I was born and where I, where I grew up, the area. My parents still live there. They've lived there all their lives. My grandparents lived in the area all their lives. But for, for some reason, um, and, and me and my brother were the first generation to grow up and move away. But and I'm always quite derogatory about it, and and yet I will never escape it. And I, and I don't really know why I'm derogatory about it. I guess it's because um, it is the sort of place that people uh, don't often. Well, it's an old it's an old um, mining area, I guess, which is uh, which is kind of what um, my novel's about. Um, yeah. Even though I never say that it's the same place, and I'm not even sure it is the same place actually. But um, it's the, that type of area. And it's something I'm not, I was never really able to identify with it because by the time I was growing up, mining had, had you know, the industry had gone and, and the area um, just, it's, it, I, I've always felt that it struggles for identity in, in a sense. You go to somewhere, um, I guess somewhere like Dublin or, or, or even uh, somewhere like, I don't know, even like Sheffield has a real, like where I live now has a strong identity because it has this huge industrial heritage. Um, and and it's only and I'm saying I think I'm basically confirming your point. It's only now that I think about those things and I think about why I, I always think about where I come from in derogatory terms is because I've always struggled to attach myself to it. Because I, although my parent, my, my dad and my granddad were 
uh, worked in, in, in industry, I've grown up and turned out to be a flouncy writer with soft hands. <laughs> And, um, and it, so it's hard to identify with an area where most people previously have done something different. And I'm, uh, these are very broad brush things that I'm saying. I understand that. But it, but it, is, a, it is where you come from. You're, it, it's impossible to escape it. It, that, it is who I am. There is no, no getting away from it. I'm, I'm my father's son. I'm my grandfather's grandson and, you know, grandmother and, and mother too. And you'll know you cannot escape that and nor should you especially want to I would imagine in most cases so I've one thing in my writing I've I've I think I've learned to do is to try and um understand where I come from more I wouldn't say that I'm suddenly thinking that it was the best place in the world to grow up but at, at the same time I now appreciate where it is what it is and how it's not just made me who I am but also how it, it it's still who my parents are it's still who my grandparents always were and um and I think it's I think that's does that make sense yeah totally and actually because you know when I read your wonderful book <laughs> I obviously knew you and who you are and the fact that that this was the kind of place that you'd come from and that actually influenced my reading of the book and I wonder you know people who've read your book that don't know you or don't realize that you know that you say like the word says with a strange accent I noticed the other day you know whether they they read the book differently or if they have a different experience of it how do I say says you said says the other day says that's how you should say it (laughs) no it's not anyway that's another podcast isn't it you're not the host (laughs) we talk about what I want to talk about Oh dear. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this whole idea about, you know, voluntary exile or, or leaving where you started to go and find yourself and find inspiration. I mean, that's been going on for centuries and centuries, hasn't it? And I think it's easier as you get older to, to start looking back and appreciating where you've come from and, and finding the richness in that to write about it. Um, I think it takes a bit of time. I couldn't have done that, I don't think, in my 20s, for example. But now I'm, I'm aged and in my early 30s it's a bit easier to, to look back, I think. Yeah, I, com- completely. I don't, think I, I don't think I understood how I felt about uh, where I grew up. And, and, and also, I've been in Sheffield long enough now. It's when did I go to university? 1999, some quick maths. About 14 years um, I've been in Sheffield. And it's only now, really, that I feel not just, uh, not just um, like I can write about it in the sense that I, I understand my own experiences being here, but also that I've got the right to write about it, if that makes sense. So I, I've, I've always thought, well, I don't write about Sheffield very much yet. It's where I live. It's where I call home now. And it's almost like I feel like I, I was either not here long enough or I haven't been, <laughs> you know, I haven't lived, I haven't lived in, on, in the, on the manor. I've not lived in Firth Park or I've, I've not been down Peniston Road often enough to, um, to be able to write about this place. But I feel... And whether that's right, whether I should be feeling like that is, is another matter, because some people write about places they've never been before in their entire life, which is perhaps another interesting that's thing. A, oh, and I've written, I've written about places now that I pass through in a matter of minutes, you know, it's because I think it might be easier with poetry in that in the, the idea that, you know, a, a poem is often a sense of a place or or an experience or a feeling about somewhere or something that's happened. And, you know, it's more of a snapshot and probably lends itself more easily just to, to passing through somewhere. I mean, I, or, you know, my 
this first collection is a lot about the difference between, you know, places that are very alien as opposed to places that you remember. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for example, Dublin, that's, that's very tough. You, you know, you're wrestling against, you know, massive literary figures of the past and Joyce and, you know, Yates, all those people. If, if, if those people are the only people that can write about Dublin and aren't me, you know, a foreigner that was only there two years it's, it's a different kind of Dublin I'm going to write about. And it's the Dublin that I just saw when I was walking down the street, you know, canals that, that were covered in, these looked like they were covered in dust, even though they, you know, it was just the way the sunlight was bouncing off the water or whatever. It's, it, that's the amazing thing about writing, isn't it? Is that you bring something new to it in different perspectives. So. And did, did you feel like you had the right to write about Dublin? Having only been there, for, how you were there for about two years about, is that right? Yeah, two and a half years. I mean, in the end, absolutely. I, I, I don't think I could have sat down and written a historical poem about, you know, the way Dublin had changed or anything political about Dublin. I didn't feel I had that right. But I certainly had the right to to talk about the way I felt about Dublin or to to write poetry about things that I'd seen that affected me. Because Dublin is an extremely atmospheric place. And, and it wasn't just the fact that it had a literary tradition, you know, that, that everybody would be envious of that, that inspired me to write about it. It was also a mad place. I mean, the things that, that happened there, I, you know, it's within just a few days of getting there, I walked past a tram that had been smashed into by a bus. And the two of them were just like hanging off on the corner of a road. It was like, it was, you know, insane to see something like that. And I'd come from, I'd been living in Copenhagen before that. Um, and I've often thought Copenhagen and Scandinavia is, is very well oiled. It's, you know, efficient, um, systems that operate here is very clean. Everything works nice, and people are happy. And actually, sometimes that doesn't make writing very easy because you need to, you know, you need to have mad things going on around you. You need to be seeing things that inspire you to, to get a, get your pen out or your, your fingers on the on the keyboard and write about them. Conflict. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone needs a bit of conflict. Otherwise, there is no story. Absolutely, you need a bit of momentum, and, and you know. So, Kick up the old what's. How is how are you uh, indeed? How are you uh, how are you getting on then in Copenhagen now you're writing because um, since you moved back to Copenhagen, I don't want to sort of give. I'm, I feel like I'm giving away your sort of life story here. I apologise. Um, well, you don't want people to sleep, so yeah. <laughs> Just briefly, yeah. I moved back to Copenhagen and actually writing about Copenhagen for a living, or not Copenhagen? Sorry, writing about Denmark for a living. Um, it's been, been both a good thing and a bad thing with regards to my writing um, because, you know, you're writing all day, every day. You don't necessarily go home and be like, oh, God, yeah, now I just want to write. <laughs> um, as I, you yourself, I'm sure, mm. um, know and have felt many an occasion. Yeah. But on the other hand, I've got to look at Denmark and, and kind of lesser known parts of Denmark and, and more interesting parts of Denmark that I wouldn't necessarily have seen, had seen myself, which isn't itself a good thing I think because I wasn't previously that inspired by Scandinavia I think you know it's got you know Norse history mythology all stuff like that is fascinating but actually modern Denmark you really have to dig a little bit below the surface to find things I think that are that are cool to write about so I'm getting there I have been writing this year not as much as as I had previously because I had the baby which as yeah you've said as well haven't you Ian that <laughs> when you've got a baby hanging around your ankles metaphorically not physically that way. Uh, yeah i mean I, I look after mine a little, a little bit better but um 
yeah, it's not not you know you have to you have to force yourself into uh, you know a good space to write and, and a good mindset because it, it's you know time is precious when you've got little ones. But yeah, it's all good. Indeed, and things and, and places become different as well. Without wanting to sound like I'm forcing us to get to stay on the topic, because it, it's not. But it is it is something that I've realised quite quickly since becoming a dad is that Sheffield has become a different place to me, and yeah, I the, the places I would previously go. Well, my my life has changed. My entire life has changed, and um, it isn't like I was some kind of madcap party goer before far from it those those years are, are well gone but um the places are, you know if i went for a for a drink imagine that going for a drink i'm not sure i can imagine that anymore but mm. if you, you you would go to places so you have in your in your life you have um at any one time you probably have favorite restaurants you have favorite bars you have your place of work and then maybe your favorite sandwich shop for your lunch when you're at work and then there are things that you do at the weekend with your partner or friends or whatever it might be and you have this kind of network of places that are around your centered around who you are and what you do at that time and i've found that i've since having uh, children um uh that that's those places have changed i suddenly go to different places and i go to uh i don't go to bars for example and maybe once or twice been to a restaurant i'm more in for the sort of cafes that are child friendly these days um uh, or the park for example so we have this beautiful park just down the road and i've been there lots of times over the years but now i go there we go there once twice a week because we're going down with um, Seth and Jasper, the twins, and we sit at the cafe, and we'll have a cup of tea. And I think I'd been to that cafe, I don't know, four or five times before I'd um, before um, having children. And since then, I've been probably twenty times. And it's now one of the places that defines who I am within the city that I live in. And so, yeah. th- what you write about is bound to change as well. When you, when sort of, a, uh, even in the city that you live in, which once you have a big change, like having a baby it's bound to change what 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 you write about as well i imagine oh absolutely and but it's funny that there's i I don't think i find anything as uninspiring as being pregnant and uh didn't really write anything about that but that's probably a good thing i think to avoid that but um yeah i mean i just like yeah you do get inspired by different things and you experience different things and all that kind of stuff when you've got kids the one thing i really want to make sure though is that i i keep seeing things because when when you're on your own and you're out and about you know you can notice things and that's so that's something that I'm always looking around you know for for little things happening or you, you know what it's like yourself don't you Ian yes. you know um and you know I make notes about um things that I see or ideas as, as often as I can do and that's the thing I think I've stopped doing a bit because you know you're you're or constantly thinking about this other human being, it's a little bit difficult to say, oh, you know, look at that, look at the way that that plastic bag is flapping in the breeze. It's not, it's, you just don't have that time to do that kind of thing, you know? You just watch American Beauty. <laughs> yeah. Half, half the film. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't got time to do that either, Ian. <laughs> anyway. No. Yeah, so um, it's all about finding the time, isn't it? Whatever you've got going on, I guess there's always excuses and things like that, but... Um, but yeah, it's really important to always, always make that time. 
So how do you absorb things in terms of in terms of a place? So you've been to places like um, you've lived. You also lived in Canada, and you've you've moved around quite a lot. So I talked about being in Sheffield for fourteen years and feeling mm. like feeling like I can I've absorbed enough information about Sheffield that um, I could uh, I can I can write about it in a in a kind of meaningful way. How do you do that if you've only been somewhere for a year or two? How do you do? How do you? Um, well, I think you know, I can do it even if I've just been there a short period of time because it's, as I said, with poetry, the, the idea of, of just taking away a kind of essence of a place or your perception of a place um, is a little bit different, I think. And for, I can give you an example. I went to the Middle East a few years ago and it was obviously absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I find that I don't tend to write about places when I'm in them. I can't really do that. But I... If I can, I, I, I'm, I am, as I said, making notes about places and things that I see there. So we went to Palmyra, which is, um, you know, they're ancient ruins in the desert quite close to the border with Iraq. And that is one of the most unbelievable places in the world. It took me a long time to come back and to digest it and to, to realise that there was something particularly about Palmyra that I wanted to write about, you know, rather than just writing about the, the way that the, you know, the sun rose over the ruins because we saw that you know massive long beams of light over the desert and it just the most incredible place um just visually but I, I there was something specific I wanted to write about and it took me a long time to actually stand back and write about it and I think that that's actually quite important you know taking time to digest a place hmm. um, so so yeah so that's that's part of the process I guess sometimes you just you see something you're like my god I'm just going to write about that now and you just whack it out you know and do you- onto the page but um but that's the great thing about writing isn't it is that it just hits you in different ways I guess and do you make notes about places if you're if you happen to spot something do you do you tend to sort of write it down and yeah absolutely and I've had to I mean I could probably write an entire collection. Not that anyone would would buy it or want to read it about aeroplane journeys because I've done. I, I just. I mean, I can't remember how many I've done. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But they are a really interesting thing in the, on their own. Actually, just you know, looking out of an aeroplane window or leaving places and, and arriving in places. Um, but yeah, always making notes. Just little ideas about things. Um, actually, that thing about a plastic bag. In Morocco, for example, there, uh, there was like nothing. We, we drove down out into the desert. There was nothing except those dust devils. You know, when you hear about dust devils, but when you actually see them, it's it's just staggering to actually see them. Um, yeah, I'm are they me. are they like the uh, like um, um, like <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you call it? like a typhoon type thing? That's not the like a twister that's made of dust. Yeah, just like a tiny, tiny little ones, like just randomly on their own. And you actually think that there's a car or something coming towards you, almost like a mirage. You know, you think, oh, there's something there. But then you realise there's nothing there. It's just more dust. There's just dust everywhere. And that's just whirling dust. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to be, you know, when you come from places that are packed full of people, to be somewhere where there is literally nothing except whirling dust. And, and so. as someone who's... As, as someone who's uh, fairly well traveled i would say how how do you decide where to write about um well i just i don't think you do decide where to write about because you just sometimes it's not really a decision it's just something pops into your head and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna write about that um and as i said i i feel like i've started writing quite a bit about home as well you know somerset so it's it's just it's quite natural um 
but but yeah so my first collection is 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 called dream country and it's it's not just about even real places sometimes it's about as i said sitting and imagining where you're where you've come from or where you're going all this kind of stuff you know what it's like poetry yeah. poetry Oh yeah, <laughs> more of, well, more of, more of a sense, more of a sense of a place as opposed to actually. Oh, well, this, there's a house, there's a house in Tewton Mendip, and um, and I remember it. I'm good poet, you see. I remember, it, I remember it well. It's um, good. You should write this down, definitely. I am right. I'm typing, I'm typing it out as I, I'm not really. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't have to be specific, I suppose, with poetry. Because I've been thinking, I, I don't know why I've been considering writing about America, and I've never been to America. <laughs> oh, interesting. But it's more that it was more the. Um, well, not writing about it, but but using it as a setting, and I don't really know why. It's because the subject that I was thinking about that I was thinking of writing about um, the the kind of the event that I would that I would be writing about has happened a lot in the US. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking of setting it there naturally, rather than say I don't know somewhere in the north of England, like I did in my first novel. It just felt like it'd be more appropriate to do that. But also exciting for you because, I mean, you know, your first novel, as you said, is really deeply rooted in where you come from. But the challenge of writing about something which you are going to have to, you know, get to know or to be, put yourself there, that that's that's a good challenge, isn't it? It's the next kind of thing to be writing about, I guess. I suppose so. It's just whether it's, it's, it's the, like I said before, I felt like I had to earn the right to write about Sheffield, even though I've lived here for such a long time. Part of me feels like, writing about somewhere I'd actually never been. Of course, I could do plenty of research and um, and I could research even to the detail of wanting to set it in a specific town and, you know, a real town. And, you know, I could really... There's plenty of information out there to do that kind of research. Oh. Every, everyone in the Western world has a reasonably good idea of American culture just because we, we, we take it in so much and we're exposed to it so much. But I just don't know whether it would be valid to write about a place that I've never been to. I, I think it's part of when you're, you know, as a writer, there's always that certain sense of, am I good enough in everything you do, I guess, because you're putting yourself out there. But, I mean, we wouldn't have Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, for example, if people were only writing about places they've been. You know, it's some, some of the most incredible things that have been written are things where people have just... Well, I mean, do you know what? It's also the same kind of thing with, you know, should men write female protagonists and women write male protagonists you know if, if they aren't if they haven't experienced life through those eyes it's should they Ian I don't yeah. do you know I've no idea I have thought about <laughs> I have that well people have people have um uh, lots of people have said to me after reading Ace Frangelica um um what made you write what made you what made you write from the perspective of a 50 year old man and yeah. I've just I, I kind of had to say I, I don't really know. I just thought that was that, that was the character that I chose, and that was the age that he kind of ended up being. It yeah. wasn't wasn't like I set out to particularly write about someone who is much older than me. And I mean, you could say, how can you write about someone? Uh, you're right, actually. It's a, it's a very good point. How can how could I possibly write about someone who's looking after his wife who's had uh, a stroke? Because that's never happened to me. Let alone the fact that I'm not in my mid fifties. And, you know, no stories would ever be written, I suppose, if that was the attitude we took. Totally. Imagination. It's all about the imagination. It is. And that seems like a fairly sensible place to leave this episode, because we've uh, been talking for almost half an hour, believe it or not. It's flown by. It's been a delight. 
It has. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks for putting us up in Copenhagen. I'll say that officially and publicly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Just still recovering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Um, and Not from booze and stuff like that, just from the, you know, sleepless nights with all the kids and general. Yeah. A lot parents. of children. More, more, <laughs> yeah. more children than adults. Yeah. Um, so, where can people find you on the internet? That is a very good question. I am in the process of making my own jazzy new website. Um, and uh, yes, that will be in time for the publication of my collection. And that's all coming very soon. Um, but Twitter, Don S. Sorensen on Twitter. That's probably the best place to find me, I would say. Now, is this... Visit Denmark, of course. Visit Denmark.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially if you want to visit Denmark. Yeah, probably best to visit if you, <laughs> if you want to visit Denmark, yes. Um the twitter handle you just read out is that that's that is that the right one it is is it not don underscore s underscore Sorensen? yeah it is <laughs> i just kind of assume that if you wrote don s Sorensen that you'd find me uh, uh, goodness me we're gonna to have to have a social media lesson once we're finished talking haven't we? oh if you if you do if you type don s Sorensen into twitter that i come up you don't need to worry about all the, the when you say when you say type it into twitter what do you mean in the search box. That is not how people find people on Twitter. Well, that's how you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So if if Don if if Don S Sorensen is available, you'd be better. Is just Don Don Sorensen? Makes you sound like a fella as well. It's called Don. <laughs> I know, but that's that's fine. I don't mind. It's better sometimes, isn't it? Then perhaps more people read my poetry if they think I'm a fifty-year-old man. Well, now there's a topic right there oh yeah next time eh? <laughs> okay so people can find you by searching for don s Sorensen or by going to don underscore s underscore Sorensen. Sorensen with an e s-o-r-e-n-s-e-n that's it that's we've made it we were still quickie and anyway that's fine <laughs> you know what you're doing that's great thank you very much well i know you're i, I agree with you your, that your way is quicker but the actual, the real one, you've made longer. So the way, the way that you want it to be is quicker, but actually what it is is longer. Right, OK. Fine. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> um, and you can find me on Twitter, at Ian Broom. No underscores, it actually is. You can probably find me by searching in Twitter for Ian Broom, or, or you can go to the website, which is ianbroom.com. And uh, thanks again for joining us today, Donna. Yeah, thanks. It was great. And um, we'll speak to you soon.